you must listen to me. Something here is very wrong, and I am afraid it is about to take place, said a very emotional Liz. The only thing I see wrong is you accusing me friend, said Max. And I talk to the maker still, sometimes. Welcome to the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, with your hosts, Max and Liz. This podcast is brought to you by Playful World Ministries. Max, Liz, and all the characters and adventures of the Epic Order of the Seven were created by and written by Jenny L. Cody. On today's episode, we'll hear Chapter 61 from The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud, which deals with a very tough issue that probably all of us will have to handle at some time or another. So, in our visit to Jenny's Corner just a little bit later, our author friend Jenny Cody will have some timely words of wisdom for us. Right now, it would be wise for me to introduce our courageous canine and our favorite feline. Here's Max and Liz. Greetings, everyone. Ah, bonjour, mes amis. Hello, announcer. La- ah, what happened to you, lad? Max, what do you... Ugh, monsieur. What? What? What is it? Uh, that's what we're trying to figure out, lad. Uh, have you looked in the mirror lately, monsieur? Well, no, I was running late. I, I really didn't have time to get all dressed up. And... Uh, well, your clothes aren't the problem, lad. At least not the biggest issue. Aye. Uh, today. Uh, uh, give us a moment, monsieur. Yeah, it, it's your show. Max, how do we tell him? You're talking about his hair, right? Of course, what else? What else? Uh, you want me to make a list? No, his hair. I have never seen his hair so bizarre. Aye. It, it sort of looks like a, a tornado were sweeping through when somebody set a bomb off that triggered a tsunami that... Okay, okay. We. Oui, it looks awful. How do we tell him? We say, lad, your hair looks awful. Max! Well, it's the truth. But it's not a loving way to say it. Well, we're not loving his hair. The maker says we are to speak the truth with love. Oh, that's right. Uh, lad? Yeah? I'd love to tell you how nice your hair looks today. Well, thanks. That is, I'd love to tell you that, but it aren't true. It looks a bit more like a porcupine who got swept into a... Max? Uh, monsieur? Were you frightened by something this morning? No. Why? Well, when something startles me, uh, my fur just goes all all over. How do we do this, Max? Uh, I have an idea. So I take it my hair's a little bit messed up? Uh, it's like this. Uh, push the polka music button, lad. Well, <laughs> Max, we don't have a polka music button. Oh, wait, what is this? I stand corrected. Announcer ladder just are not a fair way To tell you that you're having a bad hair day The mess up on his head, he don't look like he's ready Wearing that spaghetti hair But monsieur, we love you, we want the best for you We just can't ignore your hair, ah man We mon ami, it is really bad Oh, monsieur, we're not trying to slam ya. I but just be glad there's not a camera. Cause from every angle, it's a great big tangle. It'd be tough to wrangle out. Judging by your hairdo, something must have scared you. Aye, that's only fair to say. Oui, monsieur. 
So it's really that bad, huh? Oh, trust me. Okay, guys, I hear what you are saying. And we didn't even mention that it's green. Max! After I had washed it, then I kind of rushed it. Probably should have brushed it. Hey, you were very kind to say what's on your mind. You even found a loving way. Well, thanks for being straight with me and for finding such a happy way to tell me. Aye, with polka music. We, uh, oui, uh, you can't get any happier than polka music. <laughs> and there was one day on the ark when I sure could have used a little uh, polka music, no? Aye. Chapter 61 The Truth A few days later, Liz asked Max to follow her to the supply room where the fire had broken out two months earlier. Tensions had been riding high over the past few weeks as the animals remembered the fire and the fall, and as they waited for the land to dry out completely. Moments after Max and Liz arrived, Racket flew into the supply room, banging his head faster than they had ever seen him bang. They knew something must be up to cause Racket such excitement. What is it, Racket? asked Liz. Something big is happening. I just heard Noah tell his family that the land is completely dry. He feels like it might be time to get everyone off the ark, but he's waiting for a word from the maker. He's up there praying right now, said Racket excitedly. He flew off to tell the others, banging on the beams as he went down the corridor. We better check this out, Max. I have a bad feeling that I cannot put my paw on, said Liz. Why, Liz, could it be that you aren't using your head for once, but your heart then? Asked Max, playing with his reed. Don't make such a fuss over what I do or don't do, Max. I'll use whatever I think is best to make the right decision said Liz, feeling vulnerable that Max had seen her beginning to have a faith greater than her intellect. Tell me why you have a bad feeling. This is grand news. We get to leave the Ark after so long. What could be going wrong then? asked Max. I have been watching all the troubles between the animals and the humans on board. It's been steadily increasing over these past months, especially since the fire. I have been slowly concluding that the ones causing the trouble were the wolves as the most likely explanation. Over the months, we have had comments from witnesses who thought they heard or had seen the wolves, explained Liz. Aye, it's good to see you finally seeing things me way. So what are you thinking then, lass? asked Max. Ah, I do not believe I am saying this. It is not what I am thinking, Max. It is what I am feeling. Someone has tried stirring up trouble with each step closer to us leaving the ark. Why? What could be the problem with leaving the ark after being cooped up for a year in this floating habitat? Who in their right mind would want to keep that from happening? As I thought about how this problem got started in the first place, the sin of the humans that the Maker could no longer take, I had to consider who would have gotten satisfaction from the downfall of the humans. Who? And who would want to prevent the humans from re-entering the world 
to start the human race over again? asked Liz. Aye, who indeed? It has to be those wolves. They've been troubling me and the rest of the creatures since before we were even on the ark. And they don't even like humans. You said yourself they are the ones causing all the trouble, said Max. This is what I do not know, Max. Nothing makes sense. Although the wolves appear to be the ones causing the trouble, what motive could they possibly have to stop the humans? I've gone through every possible explanation in my head, and I cannot make it logically come together. I feel there's something I've been missing all along, said Liz with a wrinkled brow. Liz hesitated. What she was about to tell Max would most certainly upset him. It could damage their friendship. But she didn't see another way around it. She had to speak what she felt to be the truth. Too much was at stake here. Max, you need to listen to what I'm about to tell you, mon ami, said Liz. Aye, lass, I'm listening. You know I always respect what you have to say. You give everything such a thorough thinking that you know what you're talking about, said Max with an encouraging smile. Liz smiled back weakly. She took a deep breath and spoke. Max, do you remember sharing with me the story that Gilliman told you about the humans and the maker in the garden? asked Liz. Aye, lass. Gilliman told me the story of how they betrayed the maker. The evil one in the garden tricked them. Uh, what about it, then? asked Max. Liz looked at Max, knowing this wasn't going to be easy for him to hear. I, too, have heard that story. It was passed down from my ancestors. My family kept the story alive, so we would never forget. It was important to our family that we stay smart and aware of the world around us. It was important that we understood about the evil one and the trouble he could bring. Liz explained, before pausing to gather her wits about her. Max, there is something you do not know about that story that I do. Gilliman did not give you the identity of the evil one, did he? asked Liz. No, he didn't. I'm sure he knew, but no, he didn't tell me who the evil one were. I'm sure he had his reasons for not telling me, answered Max, an anxious feeling growing inside of him now. I know who the evil one was in the garden, Max. And I think he has come to the Ark to destroy the remaining humans, said Liz, feeling her heart beating harder. Who is it, lass? asked Max with a growl. You will not want to hear this, mon ami. You have always told me and the other creatures to trust you. I am asking you to trust me now, said Liz. Max stood erect with tail up and fur raised, clearly on the defensive. What do you mean, Liz? He growled sternly. Liz gulped, not wanting to reveal who the one was that she knew would pierce Max's heart. But she had to make a choice. She knew she had to be bold and risk this friendship that was so precious to her. In the garden, the evil one was a snake. Max... I think he has returned, 
and I believe it is Charlie, said Liz, looking Max square in the eye. Max bristled with anger. How dare ye! How dare ye! Charlie has been one of my good friends on this journey. He helped me when there were problems, not hurt me. He even saved me life. Twice! How can you even think such a thing? Are you completely daft, kitty? Said Max, with a rumbling growl that sent shivers up Liz's spine and crushed her spirit. Max, listen to me. I know this goes against every logical bone in your body and mine. But you have to consider what I'm telling you. It was a snake in the garden who caused the evil to enter the world and begin to destroy the human race before it had really even begun. He did it by deceiving them, Max. He made them prideful, thinking they could do things themselves without the Maker's help. Don't you see? The enemy we're looking for isn't the obvious. He's the one who's the least obvious. The one who is subtle and cunning. Max, Charlie has always given you words you wanted to hear. Even when you wondered if they were right. I've seen your struggle with the things he has told you. You have chosen to believe what you wanted to believe, not necessarily what was right. When was the last time you asked the Maker about these problems, Max? More and more you've turned to Charlie, not the Maker. And it was he who started all the hero worship of you on the Ark. What does this tell you? Liz pleaded. Liz jumped up on a crate to be eye-level with Max and continued. Listen to me, mon ami. I have struggled trying to figure out the truth in this situation. And what the Maker has revealed to me is that truth cannot always be explained by the logical. You have been telling me this since we met. Faith is not about logic. It is about believing what you cannot see. When I was looking for who was causing the trouble, it led me to answers that made a certain amount of sense. Yet it stopped short of the truth that is burning to get out and is breaking my heart as it tries. Max, I think there are three snakes on board. Max's anger was bubbling at the surface. He didn't want to hear any more of what Liz had to say. The shock was too great. He couldn't face the possibility that what she was saying was true. Max, search your heart. Talk to the Maker. I finally understand it now. The Maker is the one with the answers. Not logic. Not my intellect. Not others. He alone. And if Charlie is the evil one, he is going to try and hurt the humans. You must listen to me. Something here is very wrong, and I am afraid it is about to take place, said a very emotional Liz. The only thing I see wrong is you accusing me friend, and I talk to the maker still, sometimes, said Max, as he picked up his reed and headed for the door. Max, wait! 
Liz called. Max hesitated with his back turned to Liz. Did Charlie ever tell you his full name? asked Liz. No, he never offered it, and I didn't ask, growled Max. I asked him because I needed to know. His full name is Novel Charlatan. It means original imposter, explained Liz. Max furrowed his brow. He couldn't accept this. It hurt too much. He didn't respond to Liz, but took off running down the corridor, leaving her standing there alone. It takes a true friend to tell you the truth, even when it hurts, Liz hoarsely whispered to herself. Liz felt helpless. Here she finally practiced her faith. And what did it get her? Rejection from her dear friend. Still, she knew in her heart she had done the right thing. She would have to trust the Maker with this pain and with what she needed to do next. She had been telling Max to face his fears, but now it was she who needed to do so. Liz straightened up her tail and proceeded confidently down the corridor. She paused when she reached the edge of the beaver's stall. She had never been past this point before. Liz moved slowly stealthily, bravely looking in the stalls to her right and left as she passed. They were now empty. The animals were making their way off the ark and had vacated these stalls. As she neared the end of the hall, it grew cool and dark. She looked into the wolf's stall to see the cave covered with overgrowth, but no creature was there. She listened and waited. Nothing. It was then she gazed into the stall at the end of the corridor. It was Charlie's stall. Liz grimaced. She started walking toward the stall and turned her nose to the foul odor coming from inside. It was dark and dank. It appeared to Liz that there once was green vegetation, but now there were only dry bushes, dead tree limbs, and decaying vines overhead. There were large rocks scattered about, and in one corner, a pile of rubble. Liz cautiously approached the pile, her eyes gradually making out the things stacked there. It was a pile of the wooden objects Bogart the beaver had carved for his friends, and near the top of the pile was the very first one he'd made, the burnt carving of Al. Suddenly, a sound caused Liz to startle and look behind her. Hidden behind a large rock was something she couldn't quite make out. It was moving and making sounds. She took tiny, cautious steps toward the sound. Upon closer inspection, Liz saw that it was two snakes tied around each other in a tight ball. They were tied to a stick that was firmly planted in the ground, their mouths were muffled by the way their bodies were tied. It was hard to tell where one snake left off, and the other began. How long have you been this way? Liz asked as she started loosening them. The snake's eyes were full of fear, and they slithered off into the darkness, not answering Liz. Liz's feeling had been right. 
There were three snakes on board. Above decks there was a thundering of running animals. Liz's heart caught in her chest. The animals were leaving the ark. There was no time to waste. She had to get to Charlatan before he struck. She would make her way to the humans, but then do what? She was but a small cat. How was she supposed to do anything to make a difference? Her heart ached as she thought of Max. He was the brave one who could protect the humans, but he didn't believe her. It is just you and me, monsieur, Liz whispered to the maker. S'il vous plaît, show me what to do. As she left the stall, the snake slithered from behind a rock, making its way down the corridor directly behind Liz. Uh, I just ran off on you that day, Liz, and I'm, I'm sorry, lass. Oh, I know you are. That is all forgiven by me and by the maker. Oh, it's just that well, the truth hurt. It just plain hurt. Oui, it often does, but uh, sometimes it hurts to tell the truth, too. But if it's the truth, then it's the right thing to do. Uh, so how are we supposed to deal with such things, then? Uh, well, in this case, I think we need to ask someone wise. Well, I wouldn't consider my... Miss Jenny. Uh, Jenny, with a J? Well, yeah, of course. Hello, Jenny, with a J. Uh... Miss Jenny! Max, what's on your mind, boy? Well, Miss Jenny, Liz had had to tell me something that I didn't want to hear. Uh, but it was the truth, and I knew he would probably be upset with me, but... Uh... Let's take a survey. How many of you love conflict? <laughs> I'm not raising me, Pa. Hmm. I'm thinking not a lot of people raise their hands. You know why? Because we don't like conflict, especially when it's with our family members or our best friends. Can you imagine having conflict with your friend, a disagreement? Maybe it's something that they've done, or maybe it's something that you have done. And so let's talk a little bit about how tough that can be. This was a tough scene to write for me. Max and Liz are best friends. They've been through everything together. They have partnered together for the maker. And now, Things have gotten to such a point where Liz has to speak some hard truth to Max and he doesn't want to hear it. How do you handle that? Well, you have to be bold. There's two verses of scripture that I want to share with you. One is Ephesians 4.15 where it says, Speak the truth in love. And it's all about how we approach it. If we've got to be honest with a friend, either they're doing something that is hurtful to themselves or to others, or to you, we need to be able to honestly tell them what's going on, speak the truth. But how we say it is so important. We shouldn't come after them accusingly, or angrily, or meanly, or coldly, but warmly, and couch it all in the fact that you love them, that you want to see their highest good, but they need to take a good hard look at what is going on. There's another verse, Proverbs 27, 6, and it talks about how wounds from a friend can be trusted over kisses from an enemy. And what that means is, if we have a friend that is that close who is willing to wound us with the truth, 
That's better than having an enemy who doesn't like us, who really isn't our friend, who will kiss us and make nice. But remember how we talked about things aren't always what they seem. So we know that we've got a really good friend who can trust us enough with how we're going to respond when they speak the truth. And this goes both ways. You know, we need to be open to when our friends speak truth and love to us. And we need to be honest and let go of our pride to listen and really pay attention to what they're saying and not get defensive about it like Max did, but speak the truth and hear the truth and accept the truth and be willing to embrace it. And you know what? The Lord calls us to speak the truth in love, but we're not responsible for the outcome and the reaction. Just do the right thing and speak the truth in love. Just like you did with me and my uh, bad hair day. Uh, Thanks, Jenny. Hi, with polka music, because who doesn't love polka music? Oh, well, uh... Again, I'm not raising me paw. Well, uh, moving right along, uh, looking ahead to our next episode, uh, things are not looking so good on the arc, huh? You mean sort of like my hair? Oh, get over yourself, man. Things were way more troubling than your hair. But uh, every bit is frightening. <laughs> Zing! <laughs> <laughs> well played, lass. Yeah, but it was true. With dry land becoming a reality, everybody was ready to get off the ark. But of course, Max and Liz had troubles of their own. More than they knew. We're closing in on the conclusion of this story. Do not miss our next episode. Once again, the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast, is produced by Playful World Ministries, and The Ark, The Reed, and The Fire Cloud was written by Jenny L. Cody. And I'm Denny Brownlee. Thanks for joining us. See you next time on the Epic Order of the Seven, the podcast. Have a grandee!